Hello, you. I'm back. It's Graham Norton here. Thank you for listening to my Virgin Radio podcast with Waitrose this week on the show. Comedian Alan Carr joins me to talk about his new TV series, Alan Carr's Adventures with Agatha Christie. Imelda May fills us in on our first acting role and single from brand new film, Fisherman's Friend, One and All. Asim Chowdhury tells us about his role in the new Netflix series, The Sandman. Show chef Martha tells us what to cook with apples and mangoes. Oh, yes, she does. And we've had some fascinating dilemmas for you this weekend in Graham's Guide. Here's Maria to tell us more. Hello, Graham. Hello, Maria. Welcome back. We're to the wireless. back from, and you know what? I'm afraid, Graham, I've had to rescind your singles club membership. Oh. Because since I last saw you, you've only gone and gained a husband. <laughs> I know. Oh. You kept that quiet. Well, not to me, obviously, because... <laughs> I kept it a secret for ages and ages. Yes, and you were very good. You were my best gal pal, and you made a little speech and everything. I did, yes. Yeah, it was lovely. And actually, uh, to the listeners, I got lots of lovely messages on, you know, Twitter and, the, you know, whatever yes. else people, people contact yes. uh, to say congratulations. It was really kind of sweet that anyone could care less. Oh, no, I got <laughs> lots of messages saying, well, you all kept that so quiet. <laughs> furious. People were furious that you hadn't let them in on the secret. So we have to say you have a wonderful new husband. I feel... Alan Carr got divorced, so that meant there was a vacancy. So I was able to, to get married. <laughs> Poor Alan Carr. I think it's, it's one out, one in, isn't it? <laughs> so you're basically basking in the back on, on the back of his misery. He's very sad that his marriage ended, so you've decided to start. Yes, yeah, so I thought. I thought. Um, yes, I, I have to tell you, my friend yesterday. This was very amusing about dogs. Obviously, um, this little old lady coming out of the supermarket, and she had a trolley full of stuff, and she was very frail on her. This is my friend John. Uh, frail on her feet, and she had a dog that suddenly did uh, a big thing. Oh. It's business, and she said, looked up plaintively at John and said, "Oh, would you mind sort of helping because trolley bags." shopping frail and he said oh yes of course thinking I'll hold the dog or hold the trolley and she gave him a green bag um, <laughs> to collect the deposit and he thought oh okay and then so he collected the deposit and she said I just don't like the feel of it in my hand it's too squishy <laughs> I mean, do you think she does that every time? That, the dog... is, that is a real perk of getting old, isn't it? Would you mind? Would you mind? <laughs> and then suddenly you make people do something that takes them four hours and is hideous. <laughs> yeah. But I, I did say... Yeah. Thanks for doing that. I don't like doing it. <laughs> That's it. I just thought, you know, a gullible gay. I'll just find myself a gullible gay to pick that up for me. Um, now, when, when I came out of hospital, Graham, everyone said, oh, you're very thin, you're very thin. So I thought, ah, oh, first time in my life people are saying that. So I have been doing all summer cakes ice cream <laughs> chocolate mm, another drink yes please i will and now i'm slightly resembling a superannuated meg from family guy oh now stop that I you am, are not with a different hair color obviously <laughs> no i think you look very slim and so trim and tan basically nothing has changed and so do you and I... you've got a slimmer beard what, what am I trying to say? Shorter. Clippers. Shorter beard. Yeah, my, my beard's lost weight. Is that what you're saying? Are you keeping your beard? I know we have this conversation. Oh, God. I really? I, I Is it the that's... annual beard conversation? <laughs> well, it feels like I haven't been here for a while, so I've got to ask you all these questions. Uh, but you're trying to shut me up, so I, I believe will. I believe we are keeping uh, the beard. Uh, right. Some problems. Here we go. Virgin Radio. 
I mean, you couldn't tell it's my first day back, could no, you? No, not I at mean, all. That, you're, I mean, you're on it. I you're... mean, there's nothing rusty about that. No, no, the fact that I had to remind you of my name. That <laughs> anyway, I'm going to read you a letter out loud in my best voice. OK. Dear Graham and Maria, I recently met with my friend for a coffee and to be honest with you, I've been dreading it. I've known this girl for several years and met her through another friend. We'd worked in the same place and had supported each other through difficult work situations, so I thought I could trust her and shared some quite personal issues. This is quite long, this letter. Mm -hmm. In 2020, I applied for and was successful in getting a PhD place. As I was doing this, my friend was also in the process of applying for PhD funding, and as I'd been through the process, I helped and supported her with the application. I'd already started my PhD when she found out she'd been funded for hers, but it turned out out she told all of her friends about it a long time before she told me and she didn't thank me for helping her through the process which I found rude and slightly hurtful after this I felt like our relationship changed and there have been several occasions where she's been rude to me I've asked her several times if there was an issue and she kept saying no. Well, when I met her for coffee and asked her again, she told me that she thought I was really jealous of her when she was successful in her PhD application. She then proceeded to tell me that her marriage of 30 years had broken down and was really struggling. I got upset. Then she used her knowledge of my personal life to tell me that my marriage was not good for me. On reflection... I don't know what to do about this. Should I tell her I feel hurt and feel that our relationship is toxic, so it's best we go our separate ways? I really don't know what to do. And that is from Jemima in Cambridge. Oh, Jemima, thank you for your very long letter. I mean, your friend is in a bad place, clearly. Uh, you know, her marriage has broken down. She's got her PhD. Why would you be jealous of her? Yours was already in place. That makes no sense. Um, for you not to get thanks and all of that, you found rude and slightly hurtful. But now you know she was going through a bad thing. Her marriage of 30 years has broken down. When people are angry, they want other people to be sad too. They don't like it. seeing people happy and getting on with their lives and doing well and having a successful relationship or tricky or whatever, having a relationship... Um, is not good. So when you think, when she says she's, she thought you were jealous of her, I think it's the other way around. I think she's jealous of you. Maybe your PhD is better or maybe, you know, even though you had problems in your marriage, you're still married and you're sorting it out. Maybe you're prettier than her. I don't know. But I think people, when they're angry, they want to take it out on others. So I would just say to you, Jemima in Cambridge, put some space between you. You don't want to say anything to her at the moment. She's got her own stuff going on. Just put some space and just remember for the future, one of my favourite expressions, no good turn goes unpunished. You helped her, you confided in her about some of your personal stuff and it was thrown back in your face. So mm. just keep your own counsel for now. Do you know what? I'm reading between the lines. Oh, yes, Graham, you like that. I do like reading between the lines. This is maybe I'm totally wrong, and certainly Jemima and Cambridge won't want to hear this, but I think maybe the problem's Jemima. Oh, OK. Yeah. You know, I know she's written to us, so we have to assume <laughs> that, that yes. it's her problem. Yes. But actually, I think Jemima is the problem. You know, like, somebody tells you your marriage, you know, my marriage of 30 years has broken down. I got very upset. They then told me, your marriage is rubbish. I could imagine that, because I'd be quite annoyed. that like Somebody else got upset. Well, I'm telling you about this thing, and now you're making it about you. You know, that, I, I, 
And I feel like Jemima maybe makes things about Jemima a lot. Okay, well, you really are reading a lot between those lines, Graham. But I would say she got upset. Jemima got upset when she heard that the lady's relationship of 30 years, marriage of 30 years, had broken down because she'd confided in her about her own. So sometimes it touches a nerve. So maybe the friend thought, oh, now she's upset because she wants to leave her marriage or her marriage isn't right. And so as a response to that, just says, oh, and, you know, clearly you're upset, so your marriage must be toxic too. This is, there's many, many strands to this problem and I don't think we're privy to all the information. No. A lot of extraneous information, by the way. And also, I think we're hearing everything from Jemima. You know what I mean? I know that she wrote the letter, so of course we are. But somehow I feel like if we'd been there, we might have... Read, read things differently. differently yes. Well, I see now you're opening up another strand for Graham's Guide by having two people with both sides of their story oh. and differing entirely. We haven't done that before. I know, I feel we should. We're back, we're new and improved. Yeah, we are on <laughs> it, we're thinking out of the box and we're no, no going to get twice no the amount prob- of letters. Yeah. No problem has been solved like this before. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. Um, Jemima, I just, I, I, to be honest, do you know what? I'm not sure what this problem is. She doesn't know what to do with the friend. And I just say... Don't see her. Don't see her. That's what I said. Put some space. Yeah, how hard is that? Don't write to us. Work on your own marriage. (laughs) You don't like her. Don't see her. There you go. I know, but they've been friends for a long time. And your marriage isn't good for you. Uh, what no, mar- marriage isn't? <laughs> no. Oh, now he's coming back sitting in judgment. <laughs> no. Jemima, I just think, you know, clearly you and your friend don't get on. So... Don't see each For other. now. I mean, let the dust settle, see how she is. She's in a bad place, uh, but at least she's doing a PhD, which you helped her with. Well done. <laughs> yeah, I'm so jealous of both of them. Right, their responses are part one, and my favourite responses today will be receiving a bottle of... <gasps> Waitrose Blueprint Moscatel de Valencia. It looks delicious. It's sort of a kind of a rosé colour. It's a honeyed sweet wine, fresh and fruity, grapey and floral aromas. Great value Moscatel from sunny Valencia. Well, if you get it, it's free. Uh, It's delicious with most light citrus desserts and will also match, listen to this, soft cheeses and fresh fruit. Oh, that'd be lovely, sitting out under an awning of some sort to keep the wine cool. And, oh, some soft cheeses and fresh... Sue from Leeds. Sounds like you have a lot to talk about. That's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Really, don't be writing to us. (laughs) Just talk some more. Uh, Go for another coffee. Take a few hours to go through everything that's playing on your mind. Thank you, Sue. Peter from Dorchester. How well does she know your partner? Sounds fishy to me. Could there be something else going on there altogether? Oh, Peter, I love that you have got your big wooden spoon and you have stirred it. You've stirred it. You've cleverly made things worse. Well done, Peter. Uh, Jez is in Worcester. Let her breathe. She's clearly going through things, so try not to take it personally. And Lindsay in the Sun says, let her drift off. Life isn't about issues at this age. Move on and go about looking after your own life. Who wants such drama when it's not necessary? No time for that. Lindsay, you are getting a bottle of Waitrose Blueprint Moscatel to Valencia because I'm with you. No, no one's got time for that. OK, let's go. Letter huh. two. Yeah. Dear Graham and Maria... I was looking for a new memory card in my mum's room where she said she might have have one and accidentally stumbled across her old diary. 
I opened it to the first page and saw it had been a present from my grandmother given when my mum was little, so I assumed it was a very wholesome and that wholesome thing and therefore okay to read. The first pages were fine, but it was became quickly, very quickly, sorry, became all about her acting out and kissing boys. It was really uncomfortable to read about my mum at the age of 11 and it got worse as she kept the diary for a few more years. I'm laughing at this problem. I know I should have stopped reading, but once I'd started, I just couldn't stop. I can't get this out of my mind and it's changed the way I see my mum. But I feel like I can't talk to her about it because I'm afraid she'll be angry or things will be awkward. I also feel like I can't talk to my brother about it as I don't want to cause the same problem for him as well. I hate that I now feel judgment towards my mum, who I otherwise have a good relationship with. What should I do? Please help. Carolina in Helsinki. Carolina in Helsinki, are you aged 11? <laughs> the same age as your mum was. <laughs> I think I've got a feeling that you're quite young because... A, number one, Carolina in Helsinki, don't read others' diaries, however tempted you are. And, you know, this is an historical document, virtually, if she's your mum now. Uh, you know, why would you do that? I mean, take a breath, first of all, and remember that your mum had a life before you, Carolina. I mean... Sorry, can I just say, isn't it Carolina? Oh, Carolina. Carolina, yeah. Carolina. <laughs> it's called the whole thing potato. <laughs> I wouldn't talk to your mum... Carolina, ex <laughs> just accept that she did all the usual things, rites of passage stuff that girls do when she was 11. None of this changes anything about your relationship because your mum wasn't born as your mum. Your mum had a life yeah. before you and that's and also, quite hard. That thing about, you know, you want to, I don't want to talk to my mother about this. What would you say? I mean, there's nothing to say. Well, if you're quite young, you say, Mum, I saw your diary and I read it and you did bad things when you were 11 and now I'm sad and I don't see you in the same way. That's how mad it sounds, Carolina, because, you know, it's like your mum has always been saintly. You've put her on a pedestal and she's never done anything. I don't know how you think you came into the world, Carolina, but she did some things yes. with your dad Kiss there. Kissing boys was involved. Kissing boys was involved. <laughs> um, and also, I think in a way, Carolina, this is a gift. This is a gift to you because normally I think you have to be much older and it's much later in life. Often it's after a parent dies that you see the full picture and you realise, oh, they weren't just my parent. They had friends and they had lives. And you hear all those stories mm. about your parents' life and you realise, oh, wow, they were so much more than just my dad and my mom. Yeah. So actually, Carolina, this is your gift to you. You are now seeing another side of your mother and I think quite a fun side of your mother uh, where she a usual normal side yeah I mean, but, but, but the thing she is... was quite wild and fun yeah, yeah. wild and, and fun kissing boys Woo! but also when you're I think Carolina must be quite young because when you're that age you don't want to think that your mum had any life before you or has any other feelings apart from you you want to be the centre of the world and they are there for you well I'm here to tell you Carolina that that is not the case Ooh, oh, I dropped no. my pen in, in <laughs> <laughs> I got my pen in fury. Uh, no, I just... 
Don't don't poke about. This is the yeah. lesson. Don't poke about in people's bedrooms, memory cards or not. You don't know what you will find and it might upset you if you are of um, a delicate disposition, as clearly Carolina is. <laughs> I, know, I wonder what she thought it was going to be. It was just going, oh, met a puppy today. <laughs> Had fun. Stroked it into a soft and silky. I loved it. <laughs> yes, hopefully one day I have a little daughter of my own called Carolina. <laughs> yeah. My, my, my diary would have been shoplifted from the co-op. <laughs> Not Waitrose, thank goodness for that. No! <laughs> thank goodness. Like we could afford Waitrose in those days. <laughs> the response is part two. Favourite responders getting that bottle of Waitrose Blueprint Moscadel de Valencia. Mm. Well, Carolina, brace yourself. <laughs> uh, yeah, People aren't too impressed with you. Uh, Cheryl in Somerset. Carolina, perhaps your mom knows you're a rather nosy character and she's put bait in your way to teach you valuable life lessons. It'd be so funny to put a fake diary in where, like, you killed someone. <laughs> I murdered someone when I was 13. Uh, curiosity killed the cat here. And also, children of great imaginations. So some may, so maybe put down to fantasy. Love your mom all the more. Is that true, too? Like, you don't know any of this happened. She might have just been a little girl in Helsinki writing about things she'd like to have done uh, to boys. Uh, Stuart and Leeds, shame for reading the diary and breaching confidence. Definitely say nothing to your mom or brother. Your mom is presumably a fantastic person who you love dearly. It's great those experiences made her who she is today. And that's a very wise way of looking at it. That it, you, Your mother is your mother because of the stuff in the diary. Cleo and Rochford, you read a diary. This is what happens when people snoop. It contained private information which needs to remain private. You'll have to live with this and not say anything. Live and learn. And Neil and Dumfries says you should write a musical based on the diary entries and set it to the music of Girls Aloud. It worked for ABBA. Well, that is certainly a practical, a practical and money-making scheme that uh, might might help. Uh, I'm going to give the bottle of a blueprint Moscatel de Valencia wine to Stuart in Leeds for his wise words. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. You can taste when it's Waitrose. Virgin Radio. Time to meet my guest. Oh, you know him, you love him. He is now uh, putting a new string to his many, many bows. <laughs> Another string to his many, many bows or many strings or I don't know what it is. Uh, it's uh, Alan Carr's Adventures with Agatha Christie. <laughs> I can, at one stage, was it just called Agatha? I thought it was going to be like a drama with you and a grey bob. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's my fascination with Agatha Christie. I'm a huge fan and I always have been. And that's the thing, you are a huge reader you read a lot of fiction yes yeah yes i do people think i'm thick but well you can still be thick and read a book yeah. but no I the glasses love... for a reason <laughs> yes i've worn my eyes out um when um long uh, long story short i was uh, on a rainy holiday in devon do you remember we had rain i know those days <laughs> yeah i remember we used to complain about it yeah i know i know and um so bought out my head in torquay and then i went to the local campsite shop and saw murder in the vicarage and i read it and i i loved it and i just got all of them and i just kept i love a murder 
Yeah, and also like there's something about Agatha Christie. You know, you can be poo, you can be kind of snobbish about her, but they are so good. Yes, the plot twist, and I think it's only the Bible and Shakespeare that have sold more than her. But it's like, and I was just became addicted to me. You know, my dad being a football manager, he'd take me to W. H. Smiths and try and get me to my <laughs> match or score. And I was like, please, don't can I have peril at end house or <laughs> death on the Nile? <laughs> so because she's very, she's seen as cosy, but. She's not. It's really, they're really great. I mean, you know, whatever you think about them, the plot twists and the red herrings are ingenious. And it's not like, you you know, you read some books and then the murderer comes on the last page. Oh, I haven't even heard of him. The clues are there. Yes. But is it true, now that you've researched her and stuff, mm-hmm. that she would write the book but decide quite late on in the process who the murderer was? Yes, that's right. Yes. And she would have, because uh, I went, uh, her great-grandson invited me to her house, Greenways, which is gorgeous, down in Ditsum. And uh, I saw all that, like, a notebooks and a, and a private photo albums. I was, like, fangirling. But it's so funny, because, obviously, documentaries are weird. They're in, like, I've never done one before. So it'd be like, oh, Agatha loved swimming wild in the sea. So I put on my wetsuit and went, and I'm like, do I have to? Can't I just see it in a book? <laughs> you know, I don't have to do it. I mean, I can... So it's just getting head round that whole yes. that whole thing. But I mean, do you know what was so lovely about it? We always holidayed in Devon, so it was glorious sunshine and I'm an old gay now. I'm an old gay. I love <laughs> mincing round a stately home, having a cream tea and talking to pensioners. I love it. So I was in heaven and I was going all around Babacoom, Paynton, Ditsum, you know, Torquay, all my old haunts where I used to go with my family. So it was so lovely. I hope people enjoy and so it's kind of like a travelogue as well as a literary kind of exploration of her work. Yes, and all that sort yes, of, yeah. yes, yeah. I mean, it's not a deep dive, but you don't expect the South Bank <laughs> show. There's a lot of me dressing up as an old woman, Poirot. So, you know, it's not Melvin Bragg's not going to lose any sleep. But uh, but it's, a, it's like a romp. It's like a romp. And so here's the thing. the the Because the, what's interesting is, so she wrote all these mysteries and yet there is this weird mystery in her own life. The missing, yes. the, when she went missing. Yes. So where did she rock up? Harrogate? Harrogate, yes. I mean, when you, when you watch the show, you'll understand that really, I mean, she lost her mum. Her husband was having an affair. So she loved her mum and she was stuck in the house and then the husband finally came. I mean, talk about timing. You know, my, my mum's died and he comes and says, I'm actually seeing another woman. And so she just had... A, a breakdown. I think it's probably a breakdown. Yeah. And she she left a note to say she'd sort of be in this area, you know, be like, oh, I'm going away now, but I might. I'm in this postcode. <laughs> and so, yeah, she she disappeared. But it's very weird. There is still a mystery about why she pushed the car down that. Because th- oh, I don't. It, I don't even know this. Oh bit. yes, I mean she, she she dumped her car and and the papers turned against her. It's sort of what made her a star because people were complaining about why are they spending all this money searching for this author who's missing, but she was in a spa in Harrogate. <laughs> Sound like having quite a good time. Yeah. And, and 
also quite good um, distraction. You know, kind yeah. of like if I push my car down the hill, <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. Can, they can busy themselves with that for yeah. a while. I mean, my dive is getting a bit hectic. I don't know whether I should do the same. Just push my mini into a quarry. He's disappeared. Go to a I spa. Have, yeah, I have an aggressive facial book at three. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there is that little mystery um, about her. But, um, yeah, I mean, I just felt bad for her, you know. And is this is this something you might do again? You know, is is the plan that, OK, you've done one on Agatha Christie, now you could do one on somebody else? Well, it's, it's that weird thing, and I'll always be thankful for... Um, Thank you for Christy, because she was the one that got me into reading, you know, and then you move on to, you know, P.D. James, Ruth Rendell, Arthur Conan Doyle, and then I think almost now up to my Netflix account of anything about serial killers. I mean, it's just, <laughs> I mean, you know, Kate Atkinson and, you know... It's, oh, I, I love I, Kate Atkinson. I, she's brilliant yeah. in the Jackson yeah, yeah. Brody books. And so, yeah, yeah, and I would like to do one on Sherlock Holmes, but let, let's see how this one goes down. But um, Oh, I know, that, that's what we need to do, business. It starts tomorrow night at 9 o'clock on War 4, are all three going to be released? Yeah, or- all three, and then they're moving over to Channel 4 if if you don't have more 4. <laughs> OK. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's what they're doing. That's how the kids watch telly now. <laughs> it's all a mystery. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> It'll show up somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Just whip, whip, whip. Will it to happen? It will. <laughs> um, but also, you can see Alan Carr because uh, you've been do- you've done a bunch of dates, but you are back on the road. Is it from September? You're back on the road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have August off because I've been doing all these other bits and bobs. Yeah, and then um, starting up the tour again. And this is when it all gets a bit uh, goes a bit random. I'm turning up all over Europe. No, no, because I, I was saying to you, I was looking at UK tour dates. So I was, oh yeah, there we go. Da, da, da. And then I turned the page, and it's suddenly the world. <laughs> It's like no the Lady way. Gaga massacre tour. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Malmo. Mal- Canberra. Canberra. Gibraltar. <laughs> I'm everywhere, love. But you know what? I'm so excited about. Listen to this. New York. Oh. And it coincides with gay pride. Oh, dear. Well, They're going to be I some think, fun shows, yes. aren't they? <laughs> I don't think anything will go wrong there. <laughs> That should be fine. Yeah. Alan, get off that float. You've got five minutes to showtime. <laughs> no, that's exciting. It is exciting. Yeah. And it's, um, I, you know, it's just always... I mean, do I have any fans in America? I doubt it. Will well, anyone come? I don't know. Well, it's that weird thing because Drag Race UK yes. is also... Like, it's big here, but they all watch it over there. Because yes. it's, it's like it's like gay football. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I think that is the reason why... Because so, some of these dates are sold out and I'm forever grateful. But, I mean, I'm like, I say to me agent, really, who knows me in Gibraltar or, you know, Oslo? But, you know, I'm just forever grateful. Thank you. I'll put on a great show. But I think it is the power of drag race, isn't it? Well, I've just been up in Edinburgh. And, like, Reese Nicholson, who's a judge on yes, Drag Race I Grand know Honda, him, yes. He's up there selling out. Um, yeah. Jinx Monsoon is up there selling out. You know, so it it is... a it, that oh, franchise is... Yeah, Bianca so, Del Rio. Oh, cool, yeah. Yeah, everywhere. everywhere. I mean, that tour... I mean, I know you say about my tour, that tour is still, is it unsanitised round around? Yeah. Extra, extra days, and good for them. And we should say, uh, Drag Race 4 is coming out. Is it this autumn it comes out? Doesn't it always come out in January? Or does it? I don't know. <laughs> we just... Why would the two of us know? I know. (laughs) Why would the two of us be in a room unable to tell anyone when Drag Race 4 is happening? I thought it came out lead up to Christmas, no? 
Oh, it does, doesn't it? Yes, 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 yes. You're yeah. right, you're right. Look at me yeah. fumbling through. And yes, it yes. It is such a great season. Brilliant, isn't it? Brilliant. It's... Everyone was saying there was such a good buzz about it, wasn't there? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and also it's the first one that's kind of post- Covid. Yes, yes. I felt so sorry for the. I felt so sorry for the queens. I know, yeah. I know, I know. But it was so it was so nice to be. Uh, I just love doing it. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, and like you said, to be part of a phenomenon as well. You know, people quizzing me about it. I've never done a show. I mean, I haven't heard anyone ask me about what happens at the end of my Agatha Christie documentary. <laughs> but <laughs> the butler did it. Um, <laughs> but you know, people are what they want to know. What's Rue like? What's Michelle like? And all this. So it's really it's. It is a phenomenon, isn't it? It, it, You do feel like you're part of a thing. Yes, yeah. It's weird. And when you meet, like I met Jinx Monsoon, and there's a kind of a weird, you talk to each other as if you've got something in common. (laughs) I've got nothing in common. I don't know you. (laughs) Because, I mean, listen, with this season, I was worried because, you know, how much drag acts is there? Because, you know, you don't want to, like, turn on the telly and there's, you know... Blackpool share, no offence. But yeah. <laughs> I could turn back time. You know, so, uh, but I mean, it just gets more and more ingenious and more out there. That's what I was surprised about. Because yeah. you thought, oh, you know, it'd be like X Factor, you know, when it's got a bit uh, uh, yeah. barrel being scraped. No way. It's even better. It really is. It's in, I mean, insane. they are. And, and, and I always feel like drag's too small a word for what these people do. Yeah. Because it's, yeah. inc- it's fashion, it's art, it's, it's everything. It's just, Amazing, amazing couture amazing. and everything, isn't it? I mean, the, the level of um, what's it? Uh, see, semen strip. Uh, careful now. Sewing, sewing. Just stick to sewing, Alan. I'm a keen reader, like I said. Uh, what's, the th- what's the thing with the needle again? Sewing, Alan. Um, <laughs> Couture, couture. There That's you it. go. There yeah. you go. Yeah, yeah. But also, you have this because as boys on the show, what to wear? I find very stressful. Oh, I know, I know. I mean, it's shocking. Some of my outfits are shocking, but you can't just wear a blazer. It has to be. It's like if Haribo brought out a clothing range, isn't it? It's like neon. Sometimes I look like a lollipop lady, and I'm just. <laughs> I occasionally see something, sort of, if it's cheap and bright, yeah. I'm like, that'll do. I know. I'm like, that's disgusting. I'll have it for RuPaul's Track Race. I laid it down like wine. I'll, stop, I'll put that in storage and I'll bring, I'll crack it open for season five. Yeah, be lovely. Mind you, with your chat show, how many jackets do you have? Do you give them away? I think so. Well, there's a because we went to a, a wedding, didn't we? And you went, Alan. I have every jacket that this in this wedding. I have every jacket. It was the gay wedding. What you went? I had that, that, that. And I thought, I bet you do. No, bet- that was the one where um, the groom was going to wear the jacket I was wearing. Wasn't that the one? <gasps> oh yes. Did yeah. you do that thing where you just? Well, no. And luckily, luckily, because it was me and I bought the jacket in this shop, yeah. and the groom brought the same jacket yes, up to the till. Yes, I remember, yes. yes. And they went, oh, nice try. Graham Norton just bought that. That's and he's thinking, he's coming to my wedding. Yes, he's, he's coming right. to my wedding. <laughs> Otherwise, on the yes. day, it would have been, oh. <laughs> I'll just slip into a vest. <laughs> Graham's done that deliberately. <laughs> it's all about him. <laughs> but it'd be terrible. Uh, listen, we let you go. We let you go. Uh, we should remind people uh, that they can go to Alan Carr, <laughs> all one word. dot net. A L A N C A R R. That's how you spell my name. Well, yeah, well, thank yeah. you, good dot, friend, dot, Graham. Yes. Dot net. <laughs> dot net. <laughs> I don't know why it's dot net. It, it, I know. There's no other Alan Carr's <laughs> apart from. 
the no smoking man, oh, but yeah. he's dead. Oh, well, maybe he still has a lot. <laughs> he's probably got more oomph than I have in the business. Yeah, the intellectual copyright is still very strong with that one. So poor Alan's on top there <laughs> with, with the mums. Uh, you can get all his dates for his tour there. And uh, Adventures of Agatha Christie starts tomorrow night at nine o'clock on More 4. Uh, what a, this is my first show back after oh. the holidays. So uh, what a treat to have you on. Thank oh, you thank very you, much. Brian. For coming Thank into the so studio. Much. All right, take care of yourself. Still to come, Asim Chowdhury tells me everything about the new Netflix series The Sandman. Anna Meldame talks about her very first acting role in Fisherman's Friends One and All. And we give guests the guest a spin. We do. Will someone get that fancy Waitrose gift box? But first, hello, Martha. Hiya. Uh, lovely to see you. Nice to see you too. And I sniff the air. I sniff the air like a Bisto kid. Uh, what have you made for us? I know it involves apples and roses. What is it? It does. Oh, it's some pastries to welcome you back. It's the perfect kind of breakfasty, brunchy snack. Uh, it's some apple pastry roses. Apple pastry roses. It's a little bit like a cinnamon, like a flaky cinnamon pastry. Oh. But with some apple in there as well to lighten it up a little bit. Okay, nice. I had a cinnamon bun only this week. Oh, well, yeah, I thought you were going to say this morning. I thought, oh no, <laughs> <laughs> it's, too, it's too much of a good thing. <laughs> no, no, all good, all good. So is it mostly apple or is it mostly pastry? Or it's, is it... it's mostly pastry. Okay. I, I mean, yeah. It's, not, okay. it's, definitely not, it's definitely not healthy, if that's what you're looking for. Phew. <laughs> Phew. But do you need to do clever things? Like, Is there yeast in it or anything? Is no, it... no. Nice and simple. Oh. The apple is the star. <laughs> <laughs> It's ready-made pastry. <laughs> oh well, can you buy that in Waitrose? Oh, you can buy it. Oh in well, look, how handy is that? Yeah, that's worked out very well, Martha. Yes, lovely. So, uh, so it's cinnamony, it's appley, and uh, uh, in in terms of difficulty, how hard is it? Oh, it's really easy. Was oh, it really? Really easy, which is good because they look very impressive. They look a little bit like you've been working away with yeast and got up at five in the morning to make these lovely pastries, but really, really easy. And they're really beautiful, I think. No, can I just say, they look like, if you walked into a cafe and they were in a display cabinet, you'd be like, oh, yeah, they look nice. <laughs> one of those, yeah. please. <laughs> yeah, one of those. It, you know, I mean, I know you are very good, and possibly if I made them, they wouldn't look like they could be in a display cabinet. <laughs> no, you could definitely do this. I would say that this weather is not ideal for this recipe. So if you're going to make these, wait for a cooler day, because I was, I was melting. I had to literally stand in the freezer making these. <laughs> With the door open, just trying to roll them up because the pastry melts so quickly. Okay, and also in industrial oven, probably not great in there either. Yeah, so wait for a cooler, <laughs> wait for a rainy afternoon. One will come. <laughs> yeah, eventually. And then you'll go, oh, remember those? Remember those apple pastry roses? So uh, how do we start? Talk us through it. So you're going to start by taking Oh, your... I should take. They are delicious. Oh, really, really good. <laughs> I, I would take another one, but we haven't photographed them yet. So <laughs> I don't I don't want a, a photograph of crumbs to go up on our socials. Yeah, they were delicious. Big good recommendation, to be fair. Yeah, it it was so good, they've all gone. <laughs> um, you're going to start by getting a muffin tin and you want to butter six holes of it, just really lightly. There's a lot of butter in the pastry, but you just want to make sure that there's no stickage when you come to get them out of the tin. No, that'll be hell. And then we're going to take apples. So I've got these Waitrose Braeburn apples, which have this lovely red outside. And you want to pick an apple that has a nice rosy colour on the outside because they might keep a little bit of that colour, which gives it a slight that. I rosiness. Saw that. Yes, I saw that. Yep, yep, yep. And <laughs> um, then you want to take the core out and slice those really finely. You can use one of those fancy mandolin 
mandolin. That sounds like an instrument now, but I think that's... I think, they are, they I think that is the how you they? they are called a mandolin, yeah. Yeah, slice it really yeah. finely anyway. Put it into a bowl with some lemon juice to stop it going brown, a little bit of water, and then into the microwave for about two minutes, which will soften that apple and enable it to be rolled. You could also do it in a saucepan if you don't have a microwave, but mm-hmm. microwave is very quick, two minutes. Yeah. And you want to roll out a sheet of ready-made puff pastry and make sure you get the all-butter one because it's got so much more flavour than the regular one. Then you're going to roll that out, mix together in a little bowl some butter, brown sugar and cinnamon and spread that over your pastry. Yep, over the sheet of pastry. Over the sheet of pastry. Cut it up into six strips. Yeah. Then take your very finely sliced apple and kind of lay it along the top like a... Yeah, you are painting a picture here and I'm following it. And weirdly... (laughs) You're right. These do seem more complicated than that. Yes, they look like they're really hard. But yeah, so you kind of layer that apple, make sure that the pink edge is poking over the top. Yeah. Fold the bottom of the strip up to kind of tuck them in. And then you roll that up and it makes this beautiful little spiral. There's a video of it on the Virgin Instagram stories, I believe. Oh, yeah. If you can't envisage what I'm describing. (laughs) (laughs) And then they go popped into the muffin tin, into the oven for about 35 to 40 minutes. Cover them with a bit of foil if they look like they're browning too quickly, so make sure they don't get burnt. And then you want to serve them warm. These are best when you eat them kind of pretty much straight away because they've got that lovely freshness. Um, Or you can freeze them and cook them another time. Oh, wow. Well, these were delicious. They are so buttery and cinnamon. They're just really delicious. Um, As Martha says, you can uh, check out that recipe on on our socials at Virgin Radio UK where there's also this video uh, move, <laughs> a moving image ladies and gentlemen uh, and of course it can be found in this week's Waitrose Weekend newspaper yes, yes. in the in the crumply the real deal the paper okay and, and there's other recipes in there are they apple recipes or are they breakfasty recipes what's the theme well the theme this week is um, the Waitrose and Partners Foundation which is a bit like kind of Fair Trade Foundation where oh, Waitrose okay. and Partners are giving back to communities that grow different varieties of their products so today we're doing apples and then tomorrow we'll be focusing on mangoes Mangoes. So it's kind of focuses on all different ingredients in this one. We've got avocado, mangoes, apples, a few other things that I can't remember off the top of my head. <laughs> yeah. Six different ones. Yeah, you were there. <laughs> and uh, you, by the way, just a reminder, you can find all of Martha's recipes, past and present, in the brand new Graham Norton with Waitrose Hub on Waitrose website. You head to waitrose.com slash showchef to see all the recipes made by Martha. Martha, thank you very much. Enjoy the rest of your sunny day and we will see you tomorrow thank with you. mangoes. Mm. Something to look forward to. Mm. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. You can taste when it's Waitrose. Virgin Radio. Ding, ding. The trolley has arrived, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, the full trolley is in its position. Uh, yesterday, we had apples. Today, it's the turn of mangoes with fruity chef Martha Collison. Hello. Hello. How are you today? Yes, I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm very well. I, I have to say, I saw a picture uh, of what you're making earlier and I was thinking, I cannot wait. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm eat. glad. I cannot wait to eat that. Uh, so tell us what you've done with the mango. So today we've got uh, mango and prawn barbecue skewers. Mm. So what happens to mango when you barbecue it? So it will char a little bit to get those nice lines on it. Yeah. And it kind of just warms through and it's nice and juicy. Okay. So uh, earlier I was talking about mangoes and uh, the shock I had (laughs) when I encountered a whole mango rather than just, you know, bits of mango in a thing. Yes. 
So that stone, that whatever it is, pit thing inside, is there an easy way to get rid of that? Well, I find the mangoes are quite different. They are one of the more tricky fruits to prepare because you just never Even know. Even for Martha. <laughs> you never know which way that stone is going to be kind of angling itself. Yeah. Um, I think the tip is not, you don't want to peel it before you've taken the stone out, I would say, because it would become very slippery. And very challenging. No, that, that, I already know. That's what I went wrong. <laughs> I love the idea of you with this really slippery Yeah, mango. that's what I did. No, because, I, because it said, that's what it said. The recipe said, peel your mango and then cut it into fans. And, you know, and I was looking at this picture. I was like, how the hell did you do that? You needed to make it into a smoothie, that one. Yeah. So you want to not peel it first. You want to take it, kind of hold it between your hands so that you can work out the pit normally kind of lies vertically. Yeah. I think if that's how you describe it take your knife put it in and then kind of try and feel where the stone is and cut as close to it as you can so you get like this kind of they call it a cheek a mango cheek, cheek that falls apart yeah. but then this is the, the best part of the tip I think we filmed this to put on the Instagram as a top tip later in the week or is it a story is it a story but what you want to do is take a glass so you'd have your mango yeah, cut, it, yeah, cut yeah. the bit you've just cut off the cheek in half yeah Take your glass. I'm doing. I'm going to hold my glass yeah, as a demonstration to you. Thank you. Yes, visualise. Take your mango and then yeah. kind of press the bottom of it between the skin and the flesh against the glass, and press all the way down. And the the flesh will slide off into the middle of the glass. The skin comes off on the outside, and you're left with a perfectly peeled piece of mango. You could take that to the Edinburgh Fringe <laughs> and sell tickets. <laughs> I mean, people would peel a mango. people would watch that. <laughs> it's magic. Anyway, that's how you do it. And then you have lovely pieces of mango. You're not too sticky and you haven't wasted anything either. But also in Waitrose, you can buy packets of of cubed mango. Or you can buy packets of cubed mango. But yeah, for this recipe, you want little pieces of mango from a packet or from a, a real the real deal and then it's got monkfish on the skewers as well as prawns Ooh. so it's like yeah double fish in this one that sounds great I'll tell you what, I'm going to eat it and then we'll find out how to make it it's interesting the mango I thought it might be kind of sweet because mm. I think you know meat and fruit people often kind of think really but, uh, but <laughs> it's actually, controversial but it actually it's just juicy and delicious with the, and kind of fresh with the fish it's lovely yeah and good mango's got that tang to it as well which should kind of complement those other sweet Sweet flavors because prawns are quite sweet in themselves anyway. So you 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 get a skewer. Yes, you got a skewer. You want to if you've got a wooden skewer, you want to soak it in water for a little bit before because so otherwise it will burn. I mean, you're, on you're your barbecue. you are you're you're just giving us too many tips today. <laughs> I know, sorry. I'll, We've already had I'll an entire stop. workshop on mango destoning. <laughs> now we're soaking soaking. So we soak our wooden skewer so it's, it won't burn. Okay, yes. yeah, yeah. Soak your wooden skewer. Then we're going to take um, some prawns and some monkfish. You don't have to use monkfish. You can just double the quantity of prawns if you'd rather. Put them into a bowl and add to that a little bit of uh, vegetable oil, just like half a teaspoon. And then we're going to go in with some chat masala. So this is kind of a triple mango recipe because the main ingredient in chat masala, which is a lovely Indian spice blend, is dried mango powder, something called amchur. So you've got extra mango going on in there. Okay. So that goes in. It's it's kind of all your spices in one. You haven't got to add anything else. That's all that's on there. Yeah. Is so that one thing? One teaspoon of chat masala. Oh, wow, because it, it tastes really complex. It tastes like you've blended loads of herbs and spices in there. Yeah, no, it's always nice when you look at a recipe and there's not like 15 ingredients, <laughs> there's just, just like, five. Oh, just that, just that. <laughs> so, okay. yeah, it's brilliant. It's got dried cumin in there, coriander, all in this spice blend, a little bit of mint, some of this mango, powdered mm. mango. It's really nice and it, you don't need to cook it either. You can put it on salads raw and things like that. Anyway, I digress. That goes in. (laughs) Then a little bit of salt, toss it all together, then thread that onto your skewers with your pieces of mango. Brush with a bit more oil, stick it onto your barbecue. Um, Would recommend doing this at home because you wouldn't want to be taking these 
anywhere else. You, you want to leave your raw fish in the fridge until yes. <laughs> until you need to cook yeah, it. <laughs> it, doesn't tra- it doesn't travel well. Exactly. Yeah. They go onto your barbecue or you can do them under the grill in the oven until they're nice and cooked through. They literally take four or five minutes. So these are a great thing to do on your barbecue if you've got guests and you want to feed them something quickly whilst they wait for kind of your burgers oh, and your that's chicken. that's a good idea, yeah. Something quick to go on to yeah. keep everyone happy. And then when they come out of the oven, we're going to brush them with some mango chutney just to give them this lovely kind of glossiness and a little bit of stickiness and then a little bit of coriander leaves if you'd like to garnish and they're ready to go. I mean, you have to garnish. (laughs) Presentation is all. Exactly. Yeah. Um, That's lovely. And that is your own recipe. Yes. And there are other recipes from Martha involving fruit uh, in this week's Waitrose Weekend newspaper. Am I correct? You are correct. And, uh, and of course, you can check out the recipe on our socials at Virgin Radio UK, where also later in the week you'll see that mango destoning trick. Yeah? Yes, you've got to wait. You've got to wait till probably Wednesday, and then you'll get to see it. Yeah, they're <laughs> developing it now. It's, it's with the editors. <laughs> it's in production. And uh, recipes past and present can be found on the brand new Graham Norton with Waitrose Hub. We have a hub, ladies and gentlemen, on the Waitrose website. Uh, you go to waitrose.com slash showchef, and you can see all the recipes made by Martha. Uh, Thank you so much. Are we continuing with fruit fruit next weekend? I would imagine there'll be a few more fruity things. Is okay. that kind of year? Well, you, also, you, <laughs> you've done the recipes now. You might as well make them. <laughs> yeah. Make them all. <laughs> I'll shovel them down. Me, Do not worry. Uh, thank you very much. Have a great week. And we'll see you back here uh, next Saturday morning. Thanks. B- bye. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. You can taste when it's Waitrose. Virgin Radio. Uh, first guest, Claxon Alert, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, she is here. Irish singer, songwriter, poet, and now actor, Amelda May. Hello. Hello, Graham. How are you? I'm absolutely fantastic. You look very summery. You look like an ad for summer or something. You look <laughs> very wafty. Uh, so this is... Uh, so I'm, I'm kind of amazed because this is, I'm told, your acting debut. Is that right? Yeah. Because it struck me, because in your music, uh, you are such a kind of shapeshifter. You know, yeah. you you do different things. We never know, know, quite know what Imelda May is going to do next. Yeah. It seems like acting is a very obvious thing for you. Well, yes, a lot of people are saying that to me. I I did a little bit when I was younger. I was in a play that went around to schools and and uh, also a friend's dad did a, a short movie with me swearing and stealing bikes. I don't know if that was... <laughs> If that was a proper movie, <laughs> <laughs> or a crime watch reconstruction, <laughs> so we'll just say, <laughs> we'll just say, yes, this is my debut, and my God, I loved it. And how did it happen? So, because <gasps> this is the sequel to Fisherman's Friends, so are you playing a real person in this? No, no, but um, it came through Ian Brown, the the manager of Fisherman's Friends, the band. Yes, he was talking with uh, Nick Moorcroft and Meg Leonard, the directors, and uh, they were looking for a musician because they wanted, I think, a bit of realness, a bit of truth to this character, maybe somebody who knew her life. Yeah, and he suggested me, and I did an audition, and I, I and I got the part. Now, so now, okay, so if people don't know, Fisherman's Friends, they are real. Yes. Okay, and they were this kind of cultural phenomenon back in kind of 2009 and yeah. all the success. So the first movie kind of told that real story. Yes. So what is this movie? This is a progression from that. If, if I'm honest, I think this movie is better. <laughs> um, of course, you know what makes it better? You. No, no <laughs> you're no. in it. <laughs> not in a. Not. Not saying that the the last one wasn't a good. But it's like it's like. Say, <laughs> you said it now. You might have been whispering, but we still heard you. <laughs> Take. I'm taking it all back. Um, 
It's like uh, it's like second album syndrome. You know, you, if you put something out first, you have to be able to not just match it, but kind of top it. Yeah. You know it that way. I think everybody knows that. So the same with the movie. It needed to be yeah. up, up a notch. And I think they've really succeeded with that. And I think the, re- the reason I'm saying that is because it elaborates more, I suppose, on the character. So it's not, it's based on a true story. So yes, The Fisherman's Friends and the first movie was about them getting signed. And they're a wonderful group of people who I've fallen madly in love with. And we stand on the on the platform and we sing harmonies all night together. And I love them and I've sang with them a few times. And we've done the soundtrack together, uh, which is out on the same day as the movie on the 19th. So it's about them, but this movie... Um, there's more characters in it, but but the basis of it is true in that, yes, they do end up playing Glastonbury and all this, and it follows their life. And maybe it touches on the madness of fame, which the first movie wouldn't have been able to do so much, that they've yeah. understood what it's like to be... They're from this tiny um, village that's so beautiful and has its own vibe, and then all of a sudden they're thrust into the madness of fame and touring all around the world. And then also... Uh, you know life on the way and losses on the way and how to deal with that during the madness of touring so it digs into mental health and especially male mental health but in the most beautiful way that it shows you love and camaraderie and family and how to hold each other up because so you were dealing with kind of two fishermen's friends if you know what I mean in yes. the, you had the real fishermen's friends yes. presumably there and then you've got the actors playing the fishermen's yeah. friends yeah it was I got confused because so, there was a there was one or two of the fishermen's friends in the movie and then all the people who were in the movie were singing on the platform and it just became this big family and we all brought our kids it was the end of lockdown so we were in this beautiful bubble and and it was just the most magical time that I shall never forget and I've met beautiful friends and it, it, it's just gorgeous and I play uh, this musician who who comes to town to escape life and escape the madness of fame and run away to this little castle and uh, and then things all oh yes and develop. tell me this uh, talking of family of course uh, the the daddy of Virgin Radio uh, Chris Evans yes uh, he's in it he's in it and he's really good and so does he have quite a large part in it it's a very important part, okay. um, and uh, it's 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 when they, yeah, it's a it's an important, very important scene, and he does a really good job of it. And does is he playing himself? He's playing himself, but he's really he really it's really a, a really lovely scene. Yeah. Okay, and I mean it is extraordinary what's happening. You know, this is the second movie. There's been a documentary. There's been books. Uh, these best-selling albums. It's yeah. it's just incredible. And on the we were just saying during the the record there. You know, it doesn't just happen to you. It doesn't just happen to the the fishermen's friends. Yeah. It happens to their families, their kids, you know, all the whole the, community. Yeah. yeah. Actually, yes, the whole community yeah. must be watching this happen. And yeah, what an amazing thing to have happened. To I them know. All. Isn't yeah. it lovely? And, and James Purefoy, who is uh, the lead character in I this. I drama school with him, yeah. Oh, he's gorgeous. He's... Oh, he's such a heartthrob. Oh, he's... Oh, I remember he played Henry V. Oh, yes. With a lovely bobbed haircut. Yeah, he hasn't got a bob anymore, <laughs> yeah. but he's still a heartthrob. 
And he he was um he was so lovely with me on this movie and he was so helpful and he uh, he guided me and because I was terrified at times and and then I thought well if if um if the directors Meg and Nick believe in me I should really stand up to that you know and 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 uh, and uh, do the best job that I can and he was lovely with that as well but James Profoy reminded me uh, the other day at the premiere that. Uh, I think there's only two bands ever have had two movies made about them and it's The Beatles and The Fisherman's Friends. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and also it must have been odd for you because I guess if you show up on set, you know, people just assume you know what you're doing. Of course. I mean, and, and were you were you asking questions or were you just kind of going, I'm, I'm just going to bluff my way through this? No, I, I, I didn't. No, I didn't want to do that. Um, of course I was asking questions, but I, I thought... You know, it's all about telling stories, what I do. So yeah. I love stories. I love human stories. I love humanity of, of, of the, the detail of small things, you know, that we all live. And uh, I think when I'm writing songs or if I'm writing poetry, it's all about stories. So I just apply that to this and thought, right, I have to be this character. And if I'm, if I'm singing my own songs, I go to where I am when I'm writing that. And if I'm singing uh, a cover... I'll, I'll go to 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 I'll be that person yeah. and I'll tell that story. So I just I just did that. I just made myself be that. Now I'm not cocky enough to think that I've not a lot to learn. <laughs> I know I have, but I'm willing to do it. And uh, talking of your day job, you are gigging all the summer. All the festivals are, are on. Yeah. So what ones do you have left? Where can people still see you? Oh, um, um, Tower C is one that's coming up, and then there's another one in. Oh, he's mouthing in at me. Where am I? I don't... What day is it? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm going to France. Oh, yeah. For a whole... Uh, about two weeks in September. We're doing a tour around France. And I'm Birmingham. Oh, yes. And I'm doing... Uh, I remember... I'm doing an Irish festival. I feel uh, like I'm at a seance. I'm, doing... I'm seeing a city. I'm seeing a city in the north. A, a bee. A bee. Is it Birmingham? Uh... I'm doing Fela. It's a festival in Birmingham that's uh, for the big Irish community. And I think that's all. Yeah, I can't see him. I can just see his silhouette waving. <laughs> yeah, go yes, yes, there. We're going there. Uh, I'm sure if you Google the Bay tour dates, you'll you'll find out where I'm. Google myself to find out where I am. <laughs> I'm not joking. Uh, but you were saying you're going back to Dublin for the for, on the for this yes. Friday for the uh, premiere the in premiere Dublin. The premiere of it. We had the premiere in Cornwall with all the locals, and then my dad was furious because he couldn't come. So I said, okay, I'll have a premiere for you, and I was half joking and now I can't be joking because he has his suit and all we're ready so I thought let's do it so we're doing that and uh, it's torn from a little thing that we were going to go to do this it's in the Stella in Rathmines and it's sold out all the tickets fabulous and it's gone mad and he's delighted <laughs> he, he is, is delighted he asks can he, can he sign autographs <laughs> Because so. your dad, he was a performer, right? Or am I making that up? My, no, my dad was a dancer and he danced in a movie with um, Kim Novak um, when he was younger. He was uh, uh, of human bondage in the 60s version of yeah. it. And he loved his, his uh, he loved that. He loved that moment and he loved that time. And then he couldn't make enough money as a dance teacher because he blames, uh, he blames the 60s where everybody started dancing on their own. <laughs> And he taught old time dancing at waltzes, yeah, yeah, yeah. and, and uh, so he had to become. He, he picked a job out of the paper, became a painter and decorator to feed the family. Yeah, and so I feel like I owe him. And but also, how lovely for him to see 
yeah. you kind of living his dream. That well, that's why be, I'm yeah. bringing him. So yeah. he comes to... My mum and dad came to all of my gigs and my mum passed away just before Christmas. And um, dad is lost without her. Yeah. And we're giving him all the joy that we can and I just want to make him feel fabulous. So I'm bringing him to everything that I can. And the premiere is... I feel like it's my dad's premiere. That's such a gorgeous gift to give your dad. That is beautiful. He's the best. He's the That's best. really lovely. Uh, listen, the movie is Fisherman's Friends, one and all. It's a sequel. Uh, it's much better than the first film. And Elvis <laughs> told us that. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that really was a disappointment. This one, this one is excellent. Uh, it's out next Friday everywhere. And the soundtrack, you heard the song there, the soundtrack is also out on the same day. And that always so lovely to oh, see I you. Love, I love seeing you. You're absolutely magnificent. Oh, well, no. Stop it. Stop it. And I love your wines a little too much (laughs) (laughs) all right go enjoy them the graham norton radio show with waitrose you can taste when it's waitrose virgin radio it is time to welcome my second guest of the day he stars in the new netflix series the sandman which has had such amazing amazing reviews uh he plays abel and his name is asim chowdhury hello hi graham so now this is abel as in cain and abel Yes, yes, the biblical uh, Cain and Abel. I mean, inspiration from, you know, the Bible. Yeah. Great book. Uh, but it's, it's, it's kind of Neil Gaiman. Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, uh, yeah the classics. <laughs> but it's, uh, it's his, Neil Gaiman's interpretation of that and also from the House of Mysteries. I mean, it's, the, the characters have been going on since, I think, the, the early 70s. Um, so, yeah, it was amazing, you know, uh, Cain and Abel. And when I first read, when I first got the script, after the first kind of scene, I was like, oh, great, I'd die. And I was like, oh. And then I was flipping the page. I was like, oh, no, I come back. Great. <laughs> I'm immortal. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, really, really a lot of fun. And were you familiar with the graphic novels? I wasn't. No, I, I mean, I've heard I've heard of it, but I was so kind of arrogant that when I first, you know, was sent some artwork and I was like, oh, my God, I was like, they've illustrated me as Abel. God, that's embarrassing. I was like, they haven't done that for the other actors. They don't know anything like them. And then later on, I found out that's actually how he looks. So I was like, I mean, I look, I'm a dead ringer for the actual comic book character. Just a kind of like, you know, lovely little chubby, kind of girthy, hairy fella. And um, I, and I looked just like him. So, I mean, it was kind of perfect casting in that sense. Obviously, I had to do the job as well and actually act yeah, a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in terms of the look, I mean, I was it was weird how much I looked like him. But I think that's one of the things that the, the reviewers and the fans are liking about this is that, you know, people love those graphic novels so much. Mm-hmm. I think everyone was really scared about what this thing was going to be like. But yeah. it, it is like the graphic novel coming to life. It is, yeah. I mean, I think it's a real true to kind of the, the adaptation. They've 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 kind of kept it really, really authentic. And um, and now I'm reading the comics, and I'm like, wow, it's like literally some of the scenes are word for word. And I love that because you know these days things get lost, and you have to think about will this translate to this, and will Netflix do this, and is this market right for this? And I think they've just been caught true to their core, which is really, really, you know. I mean, Neil Gaiman. I was saying to you earlier, you know, he spent 30 years saying no to the adaptation, and then Netflix came along and he was like all right then (laughs) (laughs) how much how much Uh, yeah Yeah, we can do it we can do it we can do it probably yeah 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 yeah. yeah. stretch (laughs) no because i have to say i was quite i'm i was quite snobby about graphic novels right and then um i was doing a book club thing and somebody picked the sandman Ah. uh, for the book and so i had to and it's so good i mean by by the end of that first 
volume of the Sandman, you're really in it. You're, and you're it's, it's amazing. I like the way they kind of just seamlessly kind of go in, in and out of the different worlds. They're kind of dreaming in the real world. And it's quite dark as well. You know, it's got this real kind of human side to it, even though it's a fantasy. It kind of, you know, deals with a lot of our deepest kind of fears and anxieties and, and just dreams. It's just such yeah. a fascinating subject. And also, I watching it last night, it struck me that how economical graphic novels are in yeah. the, you know, in the, a few pages in a graphic novel is an hour yes. of television. Yes, and I think that's the great thing about graphic novels is that even though it's two pages, your mind does so much of the work for you. You know, when we're so used to being explained everything and kind of patronised, you know, and given so much detail and exposition, when really our minds, we we do a lot of the work, you know, yeah. and I think that's that, that's a credit to, you know, the original work. And tell me this, it, you know, because your job is normally you know, to bring the funny, you know, we want to be funny, but in this you have to do other things. Yeah, I have to do sad things, actually. I was, I was, I was actually, you know, because the Cain and Abel, you know, obviously the story is that Cain kills Abel. You know, Cain is the first murderer in the world and Abel is the first victim. Cain was jealous of Abel and killed him, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, the, but Abel, the way he treats it, it's almost like an abusive relationship. It's very sweet. And there's one scene in the, in, in the, in the Sandman where I'm going, it's not Cain's fault that he murders me. It's just how he is. He doesn't mean it. And I was like, when I was doing it, I was like, wow, this has got real parallels of, you know, the kind of the victim thinks that they're the they're, yeah. they're, they're, they're wrong. Yeah, they deserve uh, it. Yeah. They deserve it. And it was just, there's so many lovely parallels to that. Um, and working with Sanjeev. I mean, Sanjeev, I grew up watching him. Goodness gracious me. Yeah. There weren't that many kind of brown faces on TV. You know, it was the odd kind of shopkeeper in EastEnders would pop up and I'd be like, hey, he looks like me. You know, that was like <laughs> as far as representation went. And then goodness gracious me came along. And Graham, you, I mean, you know, in terms yeah, yeah, of comedy, yeah. it was huge. And it made us, it made it so, so proud to be who we are because we can be funny we can be ourselves and it was true representation yeah. you know and also mainstream representation real it wasn't mainstream. a niche thing no. it wasn't a niche thing over yeah. there everyone yeah. was watching that 100% so working with him was uh, you know and he's the sweetest guy so I really didn't mind him killing me every episode <laughs> and that's not a spoiler I did yeah. die every episode and 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 what's <laughs> there when you're you're filming this what was real what was not if you know what I mean so all the kind of most of the locations were real I mean beautiful I mean I, I can't I couldn't remember the place but it is a heritage site in England and it's a beautiful castle I mean I, I excuse my ignorance but it's, it's quite famous as well but um, the, the dragon the gargoyle obviously wasn't real yeah, that, but oh, it that was get, uh, yeah. the classic man on a you know, man with a stick and a green screen a green but they've been, they've been posting bits of that and yeah. like so the, it, he was properly acting he he was fantastic he was proper like all that stuff but, <gasps> you really brought it to life there, I think. <laughs> thank that you. was amazing but the first few takes it was a bit distracting because it is just a geezer in a green leotard you know what I mean going <laughs> so you have to uh, you have to do a bit of acting you know was, uh, but he was fantastic and after a few you know takes of you literally laughing um, you, you get used to it and you get into it and was Neil Gaiman there the whole time I I, I, I don't know for my scenes he wasn't there but I know that he was he was a presence on set a lot of the time okay and he was so involved for the whole process you know I mean when I did my audition my original audition he was there and you know the writers and I actually auditioned to play Kane first but they were just like, you're not, you, you, your face is too nice. You've got too much of a nice man face. Aww. And that's really annoying because I want to play a villain one day. You know? <laughs> well, one day you can. Thank you. <laughs> and what, I mean, do you know that, you know, did you know how good it was, if you know what I mean? Or, or was it a relief when the reviews and the and the fan feedback came? Yeah, I, I mean, guess you never really know, do you? It's no, it's, there's always that feeling of like, I think this is this is going to be good, right? This is great, isn't it? <laughs> Looking at everyone kind of wide-eyed, you know. Um, but no, they, I mean, I think just the scale and how, how much 
you know time and effort they put into you know the attention the devil is in the details and the every little thing from like you know even Abel originally in the comics he had a stutter so I was practicing my stutter you know and I was like you know is this all right I don't really have a stutter in real life I was like, I'm not gonna get cancelled for this am I but the first day on set I was gonna go and they were going yeah maybe we lose the stutter and I was like all right so there was no stutter and um you know I had like devil horns for my hair and that they kind of was like that's a bit too much so every little detail and they kind of rooted it more kind of grounded it a little bit more because comic books are comic books right so, yeah and they, they don't always translate over so there were little things that they changed but yeah I, I mean i had a little bit of, i had a bit of a feeling and then when it came out i think it's i think it's yeah i'm really really proud of it and just i'm happy to be part of it because it's uh and there's so much more you know if, no, you, if you read the comics it's, it, yeah. they, they, you know it's so many more stories and episodes so i mean you know yeah i'm excited it's cool. you know i mean that it must be lovely because he is sitting on 30 years of these things <laughs> basically yeah <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, we can make some more. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I'll make myself available. Yeah, yeah exactly. And no, you know, it's great. And there's loads more Cain and Abel stuff from the comics. And you know, there's even an episode in the comics where kind of Abel stands up to Cain. And it, it, there's there's loads of stuff. So yeah, I, I really hope it, it continues. Um, but you never know these days. That's the thing. Uh, but you're in movies as well. You're yes, going to be in some uh, movies. Kind of. Yeah. Are they? Uh, they described in my notes as rom coms. Is that fair? I do some rom coms. Yeah. yeah. Rom com. Yeah. By, by rom coms, you mean Romanian commercials? No? That's joking. the one, yeah. <laughs> I do a few Romanian commercials. Yeah, yeah. No, I've got uh, something with uh, Jemima Khan. Uh, Jemima Khan wrote a, a, a lovely rom-com uh, with working title, and that's coming out next year. It's a, it's a comedy about arranged marriages, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. But also, that it, I mean, it seems, I mean, although it's a, it's, but it seems ripe for comedy. I, I mean, definitely. <laughs> I mean, you know, they've been, my parents have been trying to get me arranged marriage for years, and I think that's pretty funny. <laughs> That always makes me giggle. Still trying. No, <laughs> really? Yeah. No, I was like, Mom, I found my own. I've got a fiance. No, come on, son. Please. We don't no. know her. <laughs> we don't know her. Yeah. We didn't arrange it. Yeah. No, there's. I mean, there's a lot of comedy there, and I think she's done a great job because obviously she was married to, you know, Imran Khan for so many years. She knows about the Pakistani culture and all that stuff. So it came from a real place, and there's some real funny stuff in there. Yeah. Wow. Did she yeah. write it? She wrote it. Oh wow. She, she literally slid in my DMs and said, "I'm a massive fan. Uh, can you please be in my movie? My sons are obsessed with you." And my dad went crazy because obviously Jemima Khan is like the Princess Diana of Pakistan and whenever she tweets me I have around 30-40 Pakistani guys being like we love you Jemima queen of our hearts come back to Pakistan I swear to God they're obsessed with ask Jemima they're obsessed with her we still love you queen of Pakistan is she in the movie? no she's not in the movie she, she just wrote it oh yeah. right yeah had she written a movie before? This no, different... no, but she's done a lot of stuff in TV before. She's yeah, yeah, produced yeah. and yeah. I know this is her debut. Yeah. Wow, that's exciting. Yeah. Um, do you know what it's called? It's called What's Love Got to Do with It? Okay. Which is yeah, yeah, good. I, yeah. Arranged marriage. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That. And that's out next year. Next year, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and what about um, uh, People Do Nothing? People Just Do Nothing. Do nothing. Yeah, we, so we did five seasons. We did a movie. And, you know, it was a lovely journey. I think we, we, we're, doing, we're doing podcasts now for Audible. But we're kind of like, you know, taking a little break and doing a few other bits and bobs. The boys have got other shows. I've got other shows, other films. It's nice to have a break. You yeah. know? I mean, I don't mind being Chibadi G for the rest of my life. But also, it's nice to do a few other things as well, you know, yeah. just to kind of test yourself. You but know? also, the success of that must have been just... Yeah, 
great because you know it, it had such a small start and then like a bit you know it just blew up yeah it was I, I, I still find it as a kind of a cult kind of comedy for UK I don't think we ever kind of reached the levels of like the office and the in-between we didn't do those kind of numbers but our fans are dedicated fans and it makes me feel really old now because I have like people coming up to me and going my big brother used to show me your stuff when I was growing up and I was like chill out man I'm 35 <laughs> god you know what I mean but, but it's also a nice thing because I was talking to Sanjeev actually about how goodness gracious me inspired you know inspired my generation yeah and he was so sweet and humble he said he said well your show inspired your generation he goes and we just that just keeps on happening we just keep on moving and inspiring each other and learning from each other so uh, you know it's an amazing journey I mean it was just a bunch of friends and we started on YouTube you know five scenes is a movie a couple of BAFTAs stop going on about it Graham <laughs> You know, it was great. It was great. A great journey. Well, listen, congratulations on all your success. Thank you, and, Graham. Uh, I hope there are lots more Sandmen's in your future. <laughs> Plural. Sandmen's. You know, Sandmen's. Sandmen's. We uh, some Sandmen's. Did we say how good Tom Sturridge is? I think we did. He's we, brilliant. We, we yeah. said off air. But cheekbones. Yeah. yeah. Cheekbones yeah. for days. And just, yeah. I mean, it is weird that he looks like a cartoon character, but. Uh, <laughs> it does, yeah. yeah. Very but, method. But he's very, very good. Yeah. Uh, good luck to you, sir. Enjoy the rest of uh, your sunny Sunday, and uh, we'll see you along the Thank way. You. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Guest. The, uh, the, um... Guest. Guest. Okay, we've got some callers on the line. They're going to be trying to identify uh, this voice. My mum specifically phoned me and said, you are not famous enough to wear a T-shirt on Graham Crawford. I truly think he'll be absolutely fine. She'll be like, he's been in films. But my mum like, do not stand in front of Graham Norton in one of your horrible Bob Dylan T-shirts. <laughs> Okay, if somebody correctly identifies that, they will be winning a Graham Norton Waitrose gift box containing that brand of reusable hot drinks cup, uh, champagne, caramel truffles, Florentines, jort bread, raspberry jam, and balsamic vinegar. It is a lovely prize, well worth winning. Will it be going to Carol? Hello, Carol. Hello, Graham. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? I'm I'm fine. I'm a bit nervous, but it's my oh. first time calling. Oh, first time caller. It's a first time caller. Yes, uh, where... first time caller, first time. <laughs> where, are, where are you, Carol? I'm in Colchester, in Essex. Oh, lovely. Home of the oyster. Mm. <laughs> it is really hot. <laughs> <laughs> and we are going to West Mersey, actually, later. Oh, are you? Oh, marvellous. Yes, they have their annual regatta. And that's been cancelled, obviously, for the last couple of years due to COVID. But look at it today. I mean, that'll be exactly. fantastic. Oh, exactly. <laughs> it'll be mobbed. Imagine you may get COVID. <laughs> it probably will be. <laughs> uh, fingers crossed you don't. Uh, all right, Carol. <laughs> uh, who do you think that voice belongs to? Well, I think it is James Acaster. James Acaster. Good guess. Let's find out if you're right or wrong. Oh, Carol. Oh, that's fine. No I'm problem. sorry. But you listen, first time caller, you've done it now. You know how easy it is. I so, do it again now. Yeah, can't I? do it again. And, and that, that hamper may be going to you. Enjoy your regatta. Take care of yourself, Carol. Thank you so much, Graham. Take bye. Care. Bye bye. Uh, next, we turn to Vanessa. Hello, Vanessa. Hi, Graham. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Good, thank you. Having a great old time. Many congratulations on your recent nuptials. Oh, thank you very much. That's really kind of you. And uh, where where are you today, Vanessa? Uh, I'm just on the outskirts of London doing a bit of painting around the house. It's my husband's birthday uh, next week, so um, hoping for a last-minute birthday gift. Oh, that would be really good. Yes, a Graham Norton Wedgeo's <laughs> gift box. Uh, what a lovely surprise. Oh, he'd love it. <laughs> All right, Vanessa, let's see if you are going to win yourself a birthday present for your husband. What's his name, by the way? Simon. Simon, okay. 
Okay, Simon, everything crossed for you. Oh, who, fingers crossed. Who do you think that voice belongs to? I hope it's Nish Kumar. Okay, let's find out. Is it Nish Kumar? Ooh, very tense. <laughs> it is! <laughs> Congratulations, Vanessa, and indeed to Simon. You are getting the Graham Norton Waitrose gift box. It's winging its way to you. Uh, anyone else? Anyone else you'd like to say hello to on the radio today? Ah, uh, sure, Graham. I'd say hello to my cats and my chickens and my garden hedgehog, if that's all right. How outskirty of London is it? <laughs> it's zone six. I, I'm, I'm in a farm in zone six. Uh, well, well done, you, Vanessa. Uh, I know right. you don't like saying hello to the pets. Oh, very good. Listen, thank you very much for playing. Congratulations. All right, take care of yourself, Vanessa. Bye, 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 bye. Thank you so much for joining me on the Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. And hey, have you clicked that follow button on our socials? If not, you're missing out on all the behind the scenes action from the kitchen to the studio. Just look up at Virgin Radio UK on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Speak soon. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. You can taste when it's Waitrose. Virgin Radio.